Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview. We're, we're so glad you're here to, to worship with us today. Um, like Joel mentioned, we're, we're so excited to celebrate uh, baptism. And uh, we are, as these shirts say, uh, we're celebrating the new life people uh, have in Christ as they've decided to follow him. And so uh, we hope you can join uh, with us the, uh, at 1215 as we celebrate with all who are taking that next step. Uh, we are in the second week of a series that I launched last week called The Usual Suspects, like Joel mentioned. And we're looking at these suspects, the pictures of them, which are actually personified foolish tendencies that we tend to struggle with. Now, one of these may be more uh, one of your struggles. You may struggle with some of all of them. Uh, But we're doing a series studying uh, what the Hebrew in the Old Testament says about what the foolish life is. Now, why would you want to spend your time learning about foolishness? Well, if you're like me, you you realize that some of what we do in our life, uh, we take a look back and we said, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I react that way? Have you ever done that? Maybe even this past week, you said something, you did something, you thought, why on earth did I choose that? Well, the things that we do actually make sense to us. We're, We're purposeful people. That is, we have intention. And oftentimes, there's things that are going on inside of us, inside of me, and inside of you that cause us to make decisions, that cause us to think a certain way, that lead us down a path, that lead us to a certain kind of life. And if we don't learn how to get past foolishness, what we discover and what we experience in life is sometimes just bad decision after bad decision. And we don't want to live as people with regret, right? (laughs) Wow, (laughs) That was very hopeless for a second there. We don't want to live like people with regret, right? Right, yeah, we don't want to live with regret. None of us do. Because you realize that that's not the life that we're called to, that that's hopeless, there's not help there. And so the way that you move past regret is is through learning. And more importantly, through the power of God, as he helps you, as he changes you from the inside out and calls you to become a different type of person. And so if you've wondered why you do certain things, or why people do certain things, or why you react the way that you do, or why you choose words, and why your attitude is that. And if you ever just take this diagnostic and wonder, why on earth am I doing that? I want to unpack a few things that we covered last week, and that's all of us have some heart problems. You have them, and I have them. They're embedded in our heart. That is, it's things that we struggle with. Uh, This is our default mode. Now, because we're made in the image of God, we actually have a tremendous amount of worth. You have worth, I have worth, you have an identity that only God's given you, you're unique. But because of sin and brokenness, we also have some problems. And these are within our hearts. And last week I talked about where our heart leads us and that's really like the cockpit of our life. It, it helps with our guidance system, our decision-making, our will, all of these are found in our heart. And therefore, if we have heart problems, then we tend to run in problems through our direction and through our decisions. And here's just a brief overview of of some of those problems. The first is we all struggle with selfishness. Amen? Yeah, I will get this by the end, right? We struggle struggle with, with selfishness. Selfishness literally is I want what I want. And we see that at a very, very young age. We don't have to be told to learn how to have a will. We have a will. And we have goals, and we feel very strongly about them. Ever wonder that? Go into a lane on the freeway that's merging. Which position should you be in? And you know where we're just measuring that up. Oftentimes, all the things that we do, sometimes without thinking, it's linked to this idea of what we want. 
And then there's another heart problem beyond selfishness, and it's, it's arrogance. We actually struggle with this as well. And that is, I deserve what I want. We live life with a certain expectation that because we want something, and because we have a will, and it seems right to us, that we deserve to get what we want. And then selfishness and arrogance pair together, and that, that's a dangerous combination. Because again, we can make a lot of bad decisions just in the vein of desire that we have, thinking we're justified in getting it. And then the third doesn't stop there. The third is, is there's damage. And this is where it goes a little bit further. There's selfishness that we deal with. There's arrogance. And then the damage is, you know, I don't want to, but because I want what I want and I'm justified in wanting it, I will hurt you to get what I want. And this is why if you've lived your life and you've been hurt by people, things that they've said, things that they've done, it's linked to these three heart problems. And if you've hurt somebody, I don't know if you've ever said some, something to somebody, and maybe it's, it's your kid, or maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's a coworker, and you said something, and by the look on their face, you thought, oh my goodness, I just blew it. You ever had that experience where you see the words coming out, and you wish you could have just grabbed them out of midair and stuffed them down, right? Because what we say can hurt people. It can damage them. What we do is the same. And so all of these heart problems tend to fuel our foolish tendencies. And in this series, we're looking at five specific fools personified in the scriptures that have kind of a unique characteristic, a unique attitude of their foolishness. And the goal of this series is not for you to elbow the person next to you that you think struggles with this. You ever do that in church? You're like, man, that person really needs to hear it. And you just kind of like, I hope they feel my eyes staring at them. You ever have that? Or you just want to like, hey, you need to check out today's sermon. I think it would be really helpful for you. And then you text them the next day, have you listened to it yet? You know, there, There's something in all of us, again, that's probably one of those heart problems where it's easier to look at other people and their struggles, right? But this series is actually about what do I struggle with? If you start there, you can escape foolishness. So I want to encourage you. Uh, there may be some things that you see in other people, and that may help connect dots. That may help provide some categories and some learning for you. But my goal and this goal in this series is what can God do within each of us to help us grow beyond these usual suspects and these patterns of folly? So today I want to introduce you to our first fool that we are going to be studying. And this is the easy way fool. We're calling him Lazy Larry. Now, Lazy Larry, that kind of looks like the life that I want, like not a care in the world. You know, it's just like, hey, ease, fun, like let's just enjoy this. But Lazy Larry has some things that actually are destructive. He has some things that he does repeatedly in scripture that you find that don't lead to the good life. Now, the easy way fool, we're just, again, Lazy Larry, it's a character. If your name is Larry, it's not for you specifically. You may struggle with it, but we didn't look around like, who are these people who struggle and let's name them. It's just, just for Lazy Larry, okay, alliteration here, okay? But uh, there are some patterns of this that, that we're gonna look at. Now, in uh, sitcoms, uh, most of the time, uh, main characters in sitcoms, comedies that we watch, uh, have this type of fool. There's something about the life of ease and the easy way fool, which is humorous to us. I think some of it is because of their strategy, but another part is because it's very relatable to each of us. One of the best known Lazy Larry's examples that I can see the easy way fools is from a series you might've heard of called Seinfeld. Any Seinfeld fans? There's a character called George Costanza. And I want to show a clip uh, for you this morning. George uh, 
you know, life is a grind, and then he has to work, and work's a grind, and so he's just trying to deal with how do I deal with these pressures, and he comes up with this fantastic idea of how to install a bed under his desk so that he can sleep at work. It's a brilliant strategy. Let's watch it. Add a little shelf, like, uh, for an alarm clock. <laughs> what about, maybe that big? I don't know, maybe like this. Like that? Yeah, like that. Yeah, I can do that. That's what you want? That's what I want. <laughs> hey, George, you want this cup holder, uh, you want it mounted on the left or the right or in the middle? Whatever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is better than my bed at home. All right. It's been a long night. You go home and get some sleep. That's what you want? That's what I want. (laughs) Morning, George. Morning, Mr. Wilhelm. (laughs) Costanza? Where's Costanza? Excusez-moi. Have you seen Costanza? Uh, I've seen him around. Oh, he was humming this song yesterday. I can't seem to get it out of my head. I've got to know the name of that. Now, if you want to go home and you're thinking, what are the dimensions of my desk at work? I encourage you to refrain from measuring it. But the reason I say it's a brilliant strategy is he, he knows what he wants, and he's thinking, you know, I need, I need a shelf for my alarm clock. And he's getting it all measured. His boss comes in towards the end, and, he, and he's sleeping. Now, the reason that's important to know is, is that, again, that there's a part of us which we can relate to. We have work. We have responsibilities. And there's times in life where we need to kind of pull in. We need to focus on those things. But everything in us that's fueled by our heart tells us to kind of just go the easy way. Now, some of you may struggle with the easy way other, more than others. But this is in all of us. There's a part where it, we don't want to do hard things uh, we don't want to face obstacles. I think all of us would agree if we had to choose between something that was easy and something that was hard, we choose what was easy. That makes sense to us. But when we avoid hard work and when we avoid responsibility to bring this life of ease, that's when we run into problems. And so these are patterns. Uh, all of us can struggle with our alarm clock going off and it's like, oh, I don't want to get up. And you may have experienced that even today. But it's this pattern of just avoiding responsibility, seeking the easy way that we're going to be focusing on uh, this morning. Um, I want to talk about uh, just some different attitudes and characteristics, kind of highlight this fool, and then we'll dig into what to do about it. And so the idea is I want you to kind of have understanding, uh, be able to take notes. And so if on your listening guide, uh, there's some scriptures, there's some points. I encourage you, pull that out and take notes because there'll be some things that you may want to, might, may want to jot down. But here's why we all struggle with this is a life of ease is what many of us desire, um, we, we would like an easy life. Again, some of that makes sense because why would we want things more complicated than they need to be? But this is in us and we have to kind of keep check on this because if not, it can really impact our decisions and our life. And before we know it, this life of ease has defined what we do, the decisions that we make. Uh, this type of fool, um, again, is based on the Hebrew word. Now, in English, we have one word. It's like fool. We have the word folly, which is like the description of foolishness. But in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament is written in, there's actually nine words for fool. 
And there's five specific words that are characterized by patterns again and again. Every time that Hebrew word is used, it's defining a certain pattern. And that's what this series is about, is like bringing all of those specific fools and their patterns to the light. Like, what could we learn about them? So the easy way fool, who Lazy Larry is based on, in Hebrew is the kasil fool, the kasil fool. It's K-E-Y-C-L. Again, not a word that we use, but that's that, that lazy liar. Uh, the attitude of this type of fool is being confident and hopeful uh, in the wrong things. Now, let me ask you, have you ever thought that you would do something and it seems so promising and you knew that that would be the thing that solves your problems only to make a decision and realize you were completely off? You ever done that? I remember years ago, my, my wife and I were watching TV and uh, the Turbo Jam infomercial came on. And uh, anyone know, ever, ever heard of Turbo Jam? Okay, okay good. You're maybe not victims like, like I was. But it, they, they show these people doing these fitness uh, regimes and all of these exercises. And it's like, you need to buy these DVDs and, and you're going to get in shape. And they're just this community of people that are Turbo Jammers. And they're like, yeah, and they're just doing it. And you're, and you're just watching on your couch. And, you know, usually the infomercials come on kind of late just as you've eaten like a burrito. And you're like, oh, wow. My life's depressing, you know, but uh, that's how they get you, right? And you're just watching all these people. And, and, and I thought, like, that's, that's it for us. We need Turbo Jam. And so I gave my credit card, called the number. This was, like, even before online. was, even, And, like, we, we got the Turbo Jam DVDs delivered to our door. I never once put on a DVD. And you're like, Pastor Alex, I knew that before you started that story. I am not a turbo jammer. They served as coasters for a while at our house. But in my moment of just thinking like, wow, that's what we need. We need to be fit and have a group of people that are fit together. It was a great idea. And I have nothing to show for it. And I think we just gave them away to goodwill one day. Here, have these brand new, never used turbo jam DVDs that you can enjoy. Why? Well, I was confident and hopeful in the wrong things. I thought that that would solve my problem. What you find is most of the time, if it's an easy fix, it doesn't solve it. Proverbs 14.8 says, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way. So again, the contrast to foolishness is always wisdom. You have to learn the wise approach. And so notice the difference, the cause and effect. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern. That is to have an idea of how to move forward. Discerning, thinking, strategizing, leaning into God and his ways to know the way forward. But then the opposite is, but the folly of fools is deceiving. The folly here, that word, uh, is selfishness. That's that embedded heart problem that I've already covered. So the selfishness of fools, that fools, that word there is that lazy, liar, easy way fool. The selfishness of the easy way fool is to deceive. Not only do they deceive people, but they're deceived themselves, thinking that this big idea and their strategy to move forward is what's going to help them characteristics. Let's dig into that. They have a lazy streak, big ideas, and they expect a magic key. You ever heard of that, that phrase, the magic key? It's like, I have all these problems. I have all these things that are happening. All I need is to do this one thing, and then the problems will go away. It's just, oh, I got to turn it, and the door will open, and it will be solved. Uh, most of the time, these people have a lot of relationship problems because relationships get messy, right? Relationships are difficult. There's problems. There's things that have to get worked through. Working through conflict takes a long time, takes conversations, 
takes understanding, it takes listening, it takes work. But if a life of ease is what you want, most of the time you don't want to work through your relationships. So then you have relationship problems. If you're married, you can have marriage problems. If you're the easy way fool, you don't want to work on your marriage. But what this kind of fool does is they'll read a book on marriage, get full of the ideas about marriage, but never do anything about it. So they're learning a lot. There's a lot of understanding. There's a lot of maybe self-help books and and reading and, and knowledge, but it's never put into practice. Why? Because lazy. Why would I put that into practice? That just is going to take work. Uh, here's some, some key tools to this. Uh, this fool is, is lying. Um, Proverbs 14.8, he sees the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Now, why would this fool, this easy way fool, struggle with lying? Well, if you have all these big ideas and you share them with people, and then people ask you, well, how did that go? Did Turbo Jam change your life? Well, how am I going to answer that? So most of the time, because of your big ideas and what you've shared, if you're that lazy liar, then again, you, you lie about it because you don't want people to know that you're just all talk. So that's one of the struggles of this type of fool. Uh, again, another key tool is, is they're, they're lazy. With that is, is complaining. Ecclesiastes 4, 5. This scripture just cuts right to it. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. What kind of fool? The easy way fool. That's that casil. What do they do? They, they, they just fold. There's work to be done, but now I don't want to do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. But notice the cause and effect. What does that do? It brings ruin. It's hard to make progress. Uh, Warren Wearsby is a, a pastor, and he's written some, some books. He, he says this about laziness. Laziness is a slow, comfortable path towards self-destruction. This should be a warning to all of us. Why? Because if it's slow and it's comfortable, most of the time we don't realize we're on a destructive path because it's gradual. And most of the time it feels good. But in the end, just like the proverb says, there's ruin, there's self-destruction. This type of fool is also an excessive talker and a liar. Proverbs 12, 23. Notice again the wisdom. This is prudence described here. A prudent man keeps knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. The heart of fools blurts out folly. The folly, again, it's connected to that, that easy way. Now, this is really helpful. A prudent man, this is somebody who's wise and takes uh, and gives thought to what they're going to say. But a characteristic of somebody that's prudent is that they actually refrain from talking too much. And so this is actually a wise strategy. If you talk a lot, one of the things you want to do is just be mindful. Am I talking actually too much to the point where it's no longer helpful? That's actually a characteristic of a wise person, especially if you talk a lot about yourself. If you talk a lot about yourself, that could be a warning sign for you. Like maybe I'm getting into the way of some foolishness here. I I want people to hear my ideas. I want people to understand what I know. Actually, if you're trying to talk so people you're proving your worth to others, most of the time you're getting into foolishness. God knows who you are. He knows what you know. A prudent man lives with that and understands God, God's the one that's leading me forward and is going to take care of me. Prudent man keeps knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools just blurts out. There's always things uh, to speak about. Now, I think I mentioned this, but have you ever just said something that you regretted? You just said something to somebody and you just regret it the minute your mouth opened and the words came out. I've done that so many times in my life. 
And sometimes I don't even understand, I, you know, don't even realize it until I see the reflection of the person's face. And by their face, I thought, you know what? I don't think I said something helpful. That can happen a lot. And so again, the wise approach is you have to pay attention to speech. And so no matter where you are, if you want to move towards wisdom, oftentimes start with your speech patterns. That's a really helpful way to start. Being slow to speak, giving thought before you speak. Because the the fool is always quick to just tell people ideas, tell people what they should do, tell people what I know. But the wise person moves, moves away from that. This type of fool is also uh, easily angered. Uh, it doesn't take much to, to set them off. Proverbs fourteen seventeen: a man of quick temper acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated. Um, now, we've talked about the, the lying. Why would they, they lie? Well, if they have a lot of big ideas and they're telling people their plans and if people check like how things are going, then they're found out, so they lie. Anger is another way to camouflage this type of foolishness. That is, I'm going to react in a way that's not going to actually get to the core of what's going on. In fact, anger is something that shows up again and again in all of these foolish tendencies. And so in addition to speech and communication, if anger is something that you struggle with, and most people do, that's a great place to start as well. In the anger of what you're angry at, that can sometimes reveal what's going on inside your heart. Because again, that's part of that damage. You, you, you don't want to hurt people, but you will if you, if you have to. And so that man, that quick temper, it just explodes. Uh, the idea is you, you got caught. You got caught being slack-handed. You got caught saying something, but doing something different. You got caught with big ideas, but no action. There's this idea you, you got caught. And because you got caught, what do you do? You respond in anger. Well, that person doesn't understand me. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what I'm facing. And you almost put it back on them. You ever done that before? That's easy to do, actually. You ever had somebody do that to you? Before you know it, you're like, wait a second, you're confused. That's part of what anger does. Um, now, you may be asking, Pastor Alex, what kind of an animal would this fool be? I'm so glad you all asked that because I can't wait to share The kind of anger that this fool is, is a possum. Here's a picture. This, I hope, is the most disgusting image you'll see today. Now, this is a picture of a possum that's not dead, but playing dead. Now, I will say this has not been verified by, like, animal people. It looks dead to me. You know, it does kind of look dead. If you study the fur, it doesn't look good, okay? But beyond just doing an animal study right now, uh, this is what possums do. That's part of their strategy. They play dead so they don't get messed with. That's that idea of just the passiveness. But if the possum is found out, they can go from playing dead to this next image very quickly. Rap, right? Like, oh, right? Possums play dead, and then they attack. It's like this, this outburst. Now, a possum is not a, a big creature, but I've been camping where possums are, and just possums, they look at you, and they just start growling. You're, whoa, like they're, they're kind of moving you away. The idea of that anger, again, is to kind of take you off the scent of what's really going on. In the possum sense, they're just a small creature. There's not a lot they could do probably to hurt you. But in their outburst, they move the predators away, and that's a strategy. So, so for the, that casile, that easy way fool, 
That's part of, of the strategy that they, they hope to do. Um, Proverbs 14, 17, again, a man of quick temper acts foolishly. You go from passive to anger just like that to kind of get people off the, the scent that there's some more things going on. Um, the reason I bring this up is a lot about big ideas and just being full of, of knowledge and trying to find the magic key. If you've lived long enough, you know that there is no magic key in life. You agree with that? There is no magic key. And so if you struggle with the easy way, one of the things you have to come to grips with before God is trusting that most of the time in life, you're going to have to work through hard things. If anyone is ever trying to sell you something that seems too good to be true, most of the time, it is. Life's hard. It's complex. There's layers. It's difficult. But through God and his word, he gives us truth. He gives us understanding. And we realize many times we trust in a magic key. But we have to shift and trust God. And so I want to spend the rest of the time talking about um, our, our way out. What, what do we do? Um, Hopefully this has been helpful. Any of you just can see some of these characteristics in your own life? That's a real big question. Ask group people. Yeah. This side, you're struggling more than this side. Okay. But all of us, like there's certain things probably that you can all relate to. The reason I ask that is is not to make light of it, but there's a part where it's uncomfortable to study foolishness. Some, because we look in the mirror and we see ourselves. Others, we actually see the pain and the destructiveness of people that we love. But the idea is not just to learn and have these categories. It's what do we do? How do we move past it? How to move beyond it? And as you might have guessed, the way out of foolishness is always with wisdom. It's choosing the wise approach. Proverbs 28 says this, a greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Notice the greedy man, it's that selfishness, that arrogance, that damage. Like, I want what I want. But... The one who trusts in the Lord, trusts his hand, trusts his blessing, trusts his timing, this person will be what? Enriched. It's very interesting. The greedy man wants to be enriched, but he does it on his own terms, in his own way, on his own power. The wise trust God for that. So most of the time, if you want to know the difference between the foolish way and the wise way is who do we trust to provide? Who do we trust to come through? Whose hand do we trust to open, to give us what we need. And that's that good contrast to think through. Verse 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Uh, The word greedy there, a greedy man stirs up strife. It's really living large and roomy. There's really the sense of, I have all these big ideas, what I want to see come through, and I'm entitled to it. I think I I deserve that. Again, that's that, that's that arrogance. Uh, they want blessings and accolades, and there's this big space, this roomy space between uh, reality and dreams, like all my big goals, all that I want to see happen. And so the, the easy way, fool, is, is just going to struggle with that. And so the way of wisdom uh, pulls us out, and that's what it says. The, he who walks in wisdom will be what? What does that word say? Delivered. Delivered from what? From the foolishness. Delivered from thinking, I'm the one that's going to solve my problems. 
I'm the one to find the magic key. There is no magic key, but there is a powerful God. That's the hope for the easy way fool. So what do I do about it? If this is some of the struggles that that you have, um, it always starts here, always, is you have to trust God. And you have to work hard. Since there's no magic key, you do have to be a diligent person. Most of the time, that means in my responsibilities, I'm going to handle them in a way that's going to please God, and I'm going to do right by the people that's given me the responsibilities. I'm going to be faithful. It may not be what I want. I may not wake up excited to do it, but I am going to handle what I've been given with a diligence that pleases God. And why is that important? Well, you trust God that he'll take care of you. He's going to give you the energy to complete the task that he's given you. He'll give you the blessing that you look for as, as you're, you're faithful. God will come through. Hebrews 6 says this, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So this is New Testament. This is speaking of faith, and this is a faith that's active. It's not just believe that it will work out. There's a word earnestness. The earnestness, it conveys the speed and eagerness one takes to get the job done. So trusting God and working hard means I want to actually move towards taking care of what I need to sooner rather than later. Now, how many of you would say like you're a procrastinator? Anybody procrastinate here? Like you have an assignment and you're like, I don't even have to think about that until an hour before. You ever done that like in school? And, and you just, you're scrambling and then you're, you're up late. And you're like, why am I doing this to myself? And then you forget and you just keep doing that. In work, it's the same time. Like there's a deadline and you just wait till the last deadline. Well, some of that is we, we have to grow in an earnestness. Like there's a speed for I need to approach and move towards my responsibilities, take care of it. As I take care of it, sometimes quickly, good things can come. Now I'm available for other things. But sometimes if you wait till the last minute to take care of something, you could miss an opportunity God brings. We don't think about it like that. But earnestness, that, that's this a speed and an eagerness. I want to take care of what God's given me to do. I hate chores. Anyone else? I, I, I don't like them like the rest of us. You know, it's just, it's, it's a pain. But there's sense, like even doing my chores is something that I can honor God with. It's a responsibility that I have. And then sluggish, that word, it, it means laziness. But specific, it's a dullness of hearing. And so one of the ways that you work hard is you want to pay attention to make sure your ears are open when people are giving you things. So even at work, if you have a job and you have a boss that's giving you instruction, sometimes we have a relationship with our boss like where you don't want to hear what they say. Can I be real? Like, oh, boss is talking again. Time to zone out. Time to get to the bed underneath the desk. But if you've ever been a boss, and even if you've been a parent, you ever talk to your kid about what they need to do? You need to do this, then you need to do this. And you're looking at them like, they're not listening to a word that I'm saying. You ever had that? It's like the worst feeling in the world. And you just can look at them. And if you have an honest relationship, you're not hearing at all, right? I don't know. I didn't even know you were talking. That happens, right, in relationships. Like it's a glazed look. And so some of that working hard is like, I I need to be attentive. I'm going to be accountable to what I've been instructed to do. I want to be attentive to that. So trust God and work hard. A second... Ask God to help you clue into the consequences. Uh, When I was young, one of my biggest struggles, and this is a sign of immaturity, is I didn't think there were consequences in life. I just lived for the day. 
Like, eh, just do whatever I want. And as I got older, I realized, oh, my decisions today follow me tomorrow. And actually, they follow me next year. There's things that we can do that can actually follow us for decades. Our choices do have consequences. It's one of the things as a church, we, we, we have to shine, realize like, man, we can make the most out of what God's given us. Our choices count. There's an effect to them. Proverbs 19.3, uh, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. This is something you need to pray for, for yourself and for those that you love. Even if you get in a tough spot and you're doing your own thing and you think you know best, maybe there's people in your life that are far from God and they're rebelling, Pray that their heart remains soft. Because what's very sobering about this scripture is that the folly, their decisions brings ruin again, that, that destructiveness. But who do they blame when their life unravels? What does it say? The Lord. It doesn't rage against themselves. It rages against their creator. That's what you can see. You can get into a spot where you become so hard-hearted that you don't even see your decisions anymore as being anything that's you're responsible or accountable for. It's God's fault. And so one of the things, if you struggle with being bitter towards God, sort that out with him. Talk to him about that. The scripture is actually filled with people who struggle with God. Psalms, read the Psalms. If you struggle, like begin to talk to God about this. Don't carve that out. Just have that to yourself and don't talk to God about it. Many times he wants to teach you even the things you don't understand. And he'll teach you more about himself too. So it's very important. You, you wanna pray for these things, especially for those that you love, that you see they're going down these paths and they're just kind of, there's some ruin. You're beginning to see it. Pray that God softens their heart by his mighty hand. We don't know when that will be. Oftentimes, it's a lot longer than we hope. But pray God will do that in his time according to his will. And then the last is to speak the truth. Since lying is probably the most common strategy for the easy way fool is, is you have to begin to speak the truth. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put off or put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church. I, I actually did grow up in church. And one of the things I learned in church was that there was kind of a, a pull, at least in me and even with some people that I've known that I've talked to through the years, where sometimes you think church is the place where you have to almost act like you are somebody that you're not. That was one of my struggles when I was a youth. I made bad decisions, but I had kind of my, my church life and then my school life, and they were like separated. I could kind of do what I want on my own terms, and then at church, I did other things different. What it is, is I, I begin to live a double life, and God had to get a hold of me. He had to convict me and realize, like, if you live a double life and you're not being real with people, there'll be a shallowness to your life that will crush you. Like, you'll have no meaning because people don't know you. We're meant to be known people, known by a living God and known by each other. And so one of the one things I, I just want to encourage you in, if you struggle with this, this easy way and any foolish tendency, ask God to help you not have pretense to not fake it, to not act like you're further along than you are or to act like you're okay when you're not. If you're not okay, part of the role of the church is to help people who are not okay. 
you're struggling, the church is here to help people who are struggling. This is not a group of people who have it all together. We're broken people. There's a lot of decisions we've made that probably everyone in this room could say we regret. But in our brokenness, we're redeemed and we're patched together and we're made new by Jesus Christ. And what he wants us to do in this church is come together and welcome people who are broken and be a part of the restoration he wants to do. Notice the scripture says we're members one of another. Like we belong to each other. We have a responsibility to to be real. I I need help. I need prayer. And this is a place where you, you give it and you receive it. And it happens in both. And so as I wrap up, I want to invite the band up. Now, for some of you, again, you may see like, wow, I, I struggle with this and this, and there may be a lot for, for others of you. Um, this may not be as much of a struggle. But again, focus on maybe some of the anger, focus on some of the speech patterns. And as we wrap up, I want to just encourage you to kind of think through some next steps. Uh, the first is pick through like a starting point to move beyond the easy way. There's three major ones. Trust God and work hard. Ask God to help you see the consequences and speak the truth. Pick one. If you struggle to kind of be diligent, this isn't just a, like another big idea, but don't pick three, pick one. Get that like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take this step with God's help. And I don't know what it is for you. It could be that I'm just, I'm really not trusting God. I'm, I'm trusting my own ideas. I'm, I'm moving away from my responsibilities instead of moving towards it. I don't know. That could be the first one. It could just be you notice some patterns of deception that you have, like you're not being honest with people in your life. Whatever it is, circle that on your listening guide. Like really do that because that gives you some accountability. This is where I'm at, and I recognize it before God. And then if you want, share it with somebody. Say, you know, this is my next step that I need to take today. Will, will you pray with me? That's a way of you being honest with people, putting off falsehood, letting somebody know where you're at. I encourage you to do that. Uh, the second is to memorize scripture. Memorizing scripture is very helpful when you struggle because you need the truth of God's word to remind you of how to move forward. Because when you're stuck in foolish patterns, most of the time it makes sense to you. We're intentional people. We, we make decisions with purpose. But God's word reminds us of the right orientation, of true north, how to get our bearings again. And so Proverbs 28, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. One of the ways to walk in wisdom is to trust God and work hard. And then the last is come to the baptism uh, celebration. Uh, we actually are having 13 people get baptized today. Praise God. And as you've seen, there, there's people that have a new life shirt. Some of them are being baptized. Some of them have been baptized before and Really, as a whole church, we stand together and we celebrate with those people who've decided to move away from their own life, their own way, and to enter into the new life in Christ. Uh, this is actually significant, especially as we talk about this, because all of us need an escape from our foolishness. And baptism is this statement of people that say, you know what, I don't want to keep living my, my old way the same way I always have. Like, I need a new heart. Because it is damaged, and you only receive a new heart, and you only get the power of God when you decide to follow Christ. And so the people that are being baptized today, and we have uh, children being baptized and adults being baptized and everyone in between, it's this recognition of a church, like this is why we exist to help people move 
from the old life to the new life in Christ. And uh, it's such a worthy celebration as we honor God. So I encourage you, come to that as, as we celebrate. Uh, one last thing, I wanted to encourage you, uh, if, if not, it's not too late. We've talked about this before, but the Relevate Conference is uh, coming up in uh, November next month. And uh, as we're talking about foolish tendencies, a lot has to do with perspective and thinking. And this conference, it's put together by our network of churches. It's going to be Huntington Beach in November. And it's really focused on our thought life. How do we move past thoughts that take us in the wrong direction to recognize those thoughts and then to remember the truth? And so if this series, like what we're covering right now, is helpful to you, uh, this uh, conference will be a big help. Uh, It's actually going to spend uh, multiple days on this very topic of moving towards wisdom as it relates to our thinking. Uh, There is a cost to this. Uh, On Church Center, uh, you can find the link to it and get more information. If finance is the only thing that's preventing you from attending, uh, we want to help. And so if you're, you know, you want to be there, but you you can't financially because you're like, I can't afford gas and groceries. Amen, right? It's like, it's expensive right now, but but we don't want money to be the reason that you can't attend. Uh, It will cost you time. There's no way around it. It will cost you some money as well. But I think, again, that the, the way of wisdom is, is what we need. And so I encourage you to consider that. Just consider it. And uh, I think registration close, closes in a couple days. And so um, sign up if, if you haven't. wanted want to invite you to that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for just the help that your word brings. And um, God, we, we just recognize our hearts and how sideways we can get in our desires and mixed up in our priorities and uh, up is down and down is up and we can be so confused but God you're you're a God who you are the truth and you give that truth to us you you actually guide us forward and so I, I just pray for anyone here who's just struggling with just the easy way Lord will you just give them a desire to trust you and and to be diligent and to speak the truth and to see the consequences. Uh, God, we we all need help and we know that you are our helper. And so Holy Spirit, convict us of our own sin, patterns that we have. As we continue in this series, we we just ask for your help to become different people. And so I, I, I pray against shame in the name of Jesus and fear and guilt The enemy wants us to just cause us to shrink back, to be ashamed, to think we're alone, to just be filled with thoughts that are not true. And so I I bind those spirits in the name of Jesus, God, and we, we ask that people will experience freedom here today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.